Hello and welcome back to Out of the Question. I've met this week's guest many times over the years, generally at gigs or in the green rooms of TV studios, and I never waste the opportunity to tell her how great she was on the iconic late 80s, early 90s sketch show The Big Gig or the spoof hospital soap opera Let the Blood Run Free. I speak, of course, of the legendary Gene Kitson. In more recent years, Gene's popped up as a regular on The Einstein Factor, The Glass House, and 20 to 1. But her main vocation has been writing. There have been regular columns in the Sunday Telegraph and the SMH, and two successful books, her DIY Guide to Life, Tongue Lashing, released in 1998, and You're Still Hot to Me, The Joys of Menopause, released in 2014. Now, and what can only be put down to as just plain excellent taste on behalf of Channel 9, Jean's appearing as a contestant on Celebrity Apprentice Australia, starting at 7pm on May 22. As usual, I started off my chat with Jean by asking her how her fellow workers would describe her. I think they would describe me, Adam, as fair, um, honest, astute, (laughs) helpful, generous, open, loving, (laughs) uh, skilled, (laughs) highly skilled, um, organised. Oh, there's so many ways they could describe (laughs) me. I just can't wait to see how they do describe me. Well, you're very good in the, in the uh, like in the dressing room, where, you know, where all the comedians are hanging out. You're you're good fun to hang out with because it's important. You know, you, you need to have that camaraderie before we go oh, like, go into battle. Of course, of course. You know, like um, I think the people in show business had an advantage in Celebrity Apprentice because we know it's a show, it's a game, it's television, and there yeah. are so many sports people who I think have a lot more control in their lives. You know, they're goal-driven, they have plans, and on Celebrity Apprentice there's nothing like that. You have no control. A plan goes out the window. The only thing you can really control is your yourself, you know, your energy, your energy, that's all, not even, you know, and try to respond rather than react. That's an interesting psychological difference there. Are you a bit of a happy warrior in those kind of situations? Well, I tried to be. Mm. I tried to just keep saying to myself, you know, just enjoy this amazing opportunity, but you, you do get caught up in it's the stakes are very high. You know, we're, mm. you know, we're playing for our charities. So that yeah. adds a, that takes you out of yourself and you really want to do your best. And so those, those stakes are high. If you want to give your charity, you know, raise money and raise awareness, then you, you really, you know, it's very competitive. Very unlike comedy, Adam. There's no- <laughs> I know we're such sweethearts, aren't we? They're sweethearts. <laughs> so, you know, like it's very, uh, yeah. It was a, it's a very interesting scenario. But I think people who who are in showbiz um, sort of could catch on quicker than yeah. people who thought it was a, you know, like a more like a competition, a normal sporting competition. It's not like that. Just talking of stakes, like because you know. I'm a big, big gig fan. So what was it like in those days? Did, did you feel any pressure or did you just feel like this is all fun and every time I get to appear on television, it's just a little win? Well, interesting. When I look back on it, I feel like it was all fun. But I know at the time we were under enormous pressure because it was live to air mm. and a weekly turnaround. 
and you know, I had two or three different characters that I was writing for and I had to come up with a seven-minute monologue. Sometimes a seven-minute monologue and a seven- or eight-minute sketch in the one night, you had to sort of, you might have just finished writing it the night before. You might have had an idea. You might finish writing it the night before. Then it's live to television. Then you might be hanging from Roman rings and want to not forget your words. And yeah. Or you might be doing, you know, like over the fence with Denise Scott or Maria <laughs> Miranda with Wendy Hammer, trying to remember those lines. And yeah, it was really, uh, there was a lot of pressure. But I have to say, I thought live to air comedy monologues on Roman rings was about as much pressure as you can get. But <laughs> I think Celebrity Apprentice was harder. Oh. Because you've got le- even less control than that. Like, oh, yeah, you're not writing it. You're not writing it. You haven't got control over what you're saying. I mean, you're saying what you're saying up to a point, but there's so many influences and things are changing all the time and the challenges are changing and you're trying not to, like, be too chaotic or panic or hit someone. And, you yeah. know, like, and so you tr- the, the, it's really complex. It's a, I take my hat off to reality TV shows. There's about a hundred crew. They're the biggest things I've ever worked on, bigger than mm. film. They're they're really really complex. So that was a that was an eye opener. And I I've seen I've got two daughters. So like I've I've watched Maths and Bachelor. It's the only way I can bond with them. Otherwise, I never see them. So I would sit on the couch and we watch Bachelor and Maths and. And, you know, oh, MasterChef, that's great. And all those sort of survivor and, and uh, but I didn't realise how difficult they were for the people, especially if you're a performer and you're used to having control over your material. So yeah. how did it happen, Jane? So well, you just got a phone call one day? Yeah, I got a phone call and it was great because all my live gigs have been cancelled because of COVID. Mm. So I... I knew it was a risk because, you know, my carefully honed reputation could be completely destroyed when they see the real me. And then, you know, it's not even going to be the real you anyway because it can be edited together so you can look like a real bitch. Yeah. And so, um, uh, you know, it was a risk, but I have, it was very exciting to do. Very challenging, really interesting. I'm so glad I had the opportunity to, you know, put my toe in the water of reality TV. Really glad I had that opportunity. I look forward to your stand-up special now. Don't you worry, I'm working on it. (laughs) Um, What's the most unhelpful feedback you've received? Oh, well, when someone says to you, um, can I give you some constructive criticism? Which the answer is no. (laughs) You've just seen the show and you've already paid for the tickets. (laughs) That's uh, so. Have you had punters come up to you, or is it family members or friends? Or yeah, yeah, all, all of the above. All of the above. Can I give you some constructive criticism? And you just feel that knot in your stomach and you think I'm going to vomit because they're going to say something like either about your whole self, like. Mm. Or they're going to say something about one single, you never know what they're going to say. It's no, not no. Going to be constructive. It's just going to be criticism. That's and it. You know how delicate we are. 
Ah, oh, it's a kind of constructive thing. It's like, well, that's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? It's like, well, I'll decide. I'm a professional. I'll decide whether it's constructive or not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Probably exactly. not. That's um, right. What's the failure you most cherish? Well, actually, the failure I most cherish is probably my mother's failure. I know that's, a, you know, maybe mean to say, but my mother, when my mother was a feminist and she couldn't cook and she couldn't sew and she rebelled against motherhood, especially around her children. So I remember the time she decided that I got this pair of bikinis, my first bikinis. And when I put them on, they joined in the middle, like there was no gap. <laughs> and so mum said, all right, I'll sew them. I will cut off the top of your, the bottom of your bikinis and I'll fold it down. And then, then you'll have a gap and it'll be a proper bikinis and you'll be groovy. And so I went to bed and the next morning I get up and she's going, here you are trying your bikinis. And instead of cutting the top of my bikini bottoms off and folding them down, she cut one of the legs off and folded it in and I was half in and half out of my first bikinis, which oh was my, at my age. But, oh. it, but, you know, what a role model. I never had to learn to sew. <laughs> <laughs> and was that then she, um, she tried to cook when she first got married to my dad who was, you know, she didn't get married till she was 32, way past it in those days, and he was a younger man. So um, she tried to cook, cook a chocolate cake for my dad to be nice, and dad nailed it to the kitchen wall. <laughs> so she never cooked again. So the failures of my mother made me the woman I am today. Was she? Don't, I don't <laughs> you don't cook? You don't? I cook occasionally, yeah, yeah. But I don't have to you know I don't cook cakes for my kids for school I just can't I just don't doesn't relax me yeah yeah I understand so so your mother um did she teach you a lot in regards to feminism and was that a constant conversation in the house for you yeah yeah my mother was she was an early member of the women's electoral lobby like way back in the early 60s when we grew up in Sorrento which is a beachside town it was a very small town then mm. and she said there was no women in parliament at the time and it was still very sexist. She knew women who, she said, women only voted the way their husbands voted. You know, she yeah. was always, my mother always had a job. And she said, I even know a woman who cleaned her husband's teeth. Disgusting. Oh. I know, false teeth. There was a lot of false teeth in those days. I, I'm not saying she stood there with oh, yeah. <laughs> But she, she, you know, she taught my sister and I, she said, oh, you know, always have a job. Never, ha never put your hand out to a man for money. She said the worst day of my life when I, was when I had to ask your father for $2 for a pair of stockings. Oh. <laughs> so mm. she must have been pregnant or between jobs or something. But And I remember one day I bought this boyfriend home. And, you know, she'd always treated my brother and sister and I equally. There were no gender-specific roles and, and she insisted on an education. She said education and money gives a woman freedom and equality. And she's completely right. And, um, and she's right about the money. That's why it's really, even now, it's really important for, you know, women to have equal wages and to be put into positions where they can end up CEOs, to have mm. control of the purse strings in corporations rather than HR and yes. that sort of thing. So my mum was right on, right on the money back then growing up. And I remember I brought this boyfriend home 
and um, one day, and I, you know, she said, uh, and my mum, just as a preface to this, my mum couldn't stand the sight of poo or blood or wee or vomit. So if any of us kids pooed or weed or vomited, mum would vomit. <laughs> Changing our nappy, she's going, and when we came off our bikes, she'd run screaming into the paddocks and ring my dad, and my dad would come home and fix us up. And so I learned that men could also sew and clean and nurture and nurse and they were yes. really good at it because my dad was so you know we were treated equally and one day I brought this boyfriend home um for lunch and mum said to him oh so Sam what do your parents do and he said well um well my mum my mum left my father and ran off with another woman and opened a craft shop at Ballarat and I thought oh I didn't know that and I thought this is going to test my mother and she looked at Sam and she said I can understand that <laughs> and my my father got up and cleared the dishes <laughs> was she two questions what did she do and was she proud of you what did she do and was she proud of me yeah Oh, she's really proud of me because she's a huge reader. She always has. She had to leave school when she was 13. So she's really proud, particularly of me writing and yes. having written a couple of books. Like books to her were every have been everything in her life. Right. They've been what has given her her information, has taught her by reading books. And yes. so she she's amazed that I've written books. Amazed. Oh, that's fantastic. And what did she do? What what when you talked about jobs? What what jobs did she have? Um. Well, she was she when she was when she had to leave school during the Great Depression, and she had there were seven in her family. Her, she, there was a choice between domestic science and secretarial studies. Now, domestic science meant servitude. You'd end yes. up a queen or a cook in someone's family, and so she chose. Uh, secretarial studies but she, it meant she had like a two-hour um, travel to this college in the city in Sydney she grew up in Mona Vale and she had to get on buses and then get on ferries and then another bus and there was no money and and it took you know the, it took hours to get to the school then she did secretarial so she was a secretary she was a PA she then after the war I think she worked in military intelligence during the war then after the war she went overseas as one of those first women who travelled by herself on a five-pound ticket and she travelled all around the continent and oh, wow. England um, and learned to drive over there and she was just one of those really intrepid women who did lots of jobs over there, which wow. she not quite get round to describing. <laughs> well, um, uh, how is she still with us? 97. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, she's formidable too, still will pick me up on things. What did she say to me the other day? I don't know. She ticked me off about something. I'm hoping she doesn't see Celebrity Apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be, or how, however they're going to portray me. I mean, I just hope, you know, anyway. Oh, that's my dad is, um, my dad, as I said, he's 95. He's her toy boy. Yes. And um, he still ticks me off like the other day. Yeah, he rang me up and he goes, oh, Jean, I saw you on that show on telly. I was on Today Show or something like that, Today Extra. And I, and I said, oh, did you, Dad? Okay. And he goes, do you have to do that show? 
<laughs> what do you mean? He said, well, you're not doing yourself any favours. Oh, no. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, your neck. <laughs> oh, my God. My freaking neck. I go, what do you mean my neck? Because you look so old. Are they deliberately making... Dad, I said, like, I'm 66. Look at your neck. <laughs> Five, I get my neck from... How can a 95-year-old be telling me off about I look old? And you know what it's like, Adam. You just... Like, it's so hard to put yourself out there anyway. Oh, I know. You know. Like, to be an older woman and then your father... Oh. So... I rang up one of my friends and I, I said, oh, look, you know, I was going, oh, my God, I'll never go on telly again. How am I going to get over this? I'll be so self-conscious about my neck. I have to wear a pollen. <laughs> and I rang up a friend and she said, oh, old people, they have no filter. Yeah. That's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted, uh, I wanted uh, you to say my neck looked all right. Yeah, your neck looks fabulous. Then I read another friend, she goes, well, Jean, sometimes your skin does look a bit dry. This is true. I'm telling you, cross my heart. So then I rang a third friend and she said to me, Jean, it doesn't matter, which is the truth. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you look like. It really doesn't. It's what you feel no. like. So it took me a few goes, though. I tell you, this is uh, the truth. Ringing up these so-called friends. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the, the dad thing, I mean, my dad's passed away, but I remember um, he would give very direct feedback about my shows that I that I did. And I said, I would say, Dad, um, you know I cop a lot of criticism from all areas you know i i just want my family to support me <laughs> that's yeah, all right. yeah. i don't need constructive criticism <laughs> that's just exactly oh was, yeah because they all you think it's constructive. tell me i know when i go wrong i know when i make a yeah. myself i know when something doesn't work i yeah. know my neck looks like an old chook i know these <laughs> um Jane, which word or phrase do you most overuse um uh i deserve a treat <laughs> oh that's nice i haven't heard that one i i say that a lot as i'm reaching for my second glass of wine well <laughs> you know or i'm getting my you know my buying a box of chocolates or yeah i use that a lot i deserve a treat <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant do you have a motto um do I have a motto? Uh, well, there were. I had a motto. There was a school motto, motto that I that when I went to Rosebud High, um, their school motto was in labore quies, which is um, Latin, and it means in labor find rest. And uh, and I and and I like working, and I do find work where when I'm working, I'm much calmer than when I'm not working. So I like to be busy. But we used to say in labore quies meant if you're in labor, be quiet about it. But- <laughs> the uh, the final question, Jane. If you could go back five years, what advice would you give yourself? Um, I would just do, you know, the classic, like just get buy some Twitter shares now because. Oh. So one day someone will want them. <laughs> That's who would have known? I thought of that as well. I thought of that as well. Would you have gone on? Would you have thought of going on Celebrity Apprentice five years ago? Oh yeah, you know I'm always on the lookout for work. I would have, um, yeah, if someone had asked yeah. me, 
I mean, would I have thought about it? Maybe not. Uh, well, that's what I'm getting at. It's like, like you know, uh, so so you were just happily going about your life, and then you get a call one day, hey. Yeah, I know, and it was terrifying. I'm still terrified, but um, yeah, it was a big decision actually because I know that there you have very little control over actually how you're going to be you know, how, what the narrative is going to be, like how you're mm. going to come across. So I could really only control sort of my energy on the show and that was about it and hope that I didn't, um, you know, it doesn't even matter what you say, when you say it or anything. So I, uh, yeah. yeah, it was a big, it was a big decision, but it was, um, it was thrilling to be asked because the people on it were amazing. I don't know about your world, but I don't meet Olympians. I don't mm. meet, you know, elite sports people, um, you know, unless it's a function, but yeah. work with them as a part of a team and see the way their lives are. Like they're so organized and disciplined and they have goals and they plan and they you know like yes. that's like a world that I I would love to be like that but but I've never been like that so to work with people who are really thoughtful about the next step they yes. can is very interesting and and they are used to like like the Lonnie's and the Benji Marshalls, they're used to working in teams and being mm. leaders. So many of them are natural leaders. And the only person, you know, I've led is, no, not even, I was going to say the dog, but not even that. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> so just the last thing is, what, what did your daughters think um, about you going on the show? Oh, that's over the moon. Yes. Really excited. Uh, but they know a lot more about... Um, about reality TV than I do. So, you know, after that first um, that first task and I came home and I think I was sobbing, um, they were really, they go, this is how it works. This is, you know, this is, no, don't do that. Don't say that. This is, you know, like yes. they were really, because they've grown up on reality TV. Yeah. And, you know, they'll follow the people on Instagram, even the villains who yes. are horrible, they know what they're up to. Yes. You know, like, it's so interesting. And, um, Do you get and, paid uh, more to be a villain, by the way? Pardon? Do you get paid more to be a villain? I wonder. I've wondered mm. that. Mm. I've wondered that. So I might be a villain without even knowing it, <laughs> certainly without getting a bonus. Thank you so much for tuning in to Out of the Question. We'd also like to thank all the guests that appear on the show. And if you have a minute, please subscribe via iTunes or your podcast app and leave us a rating. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me on Twitter at Adam Zwa. Until next time, thanks for joining us. <laughs>